1: Today's message is designed for everyone, not just the fathers we'd like to talk about today. Join us. Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard and our look at Godly Fathers is next. What does it mean to be a godly father? Does that mean you provide well for your family? You may never be home, but they've got all the money they need. Well, sadly, that's what most think. But as we'll see from God's Word today, being a godly father means being around. So how do we do that, and to what end? That's the focus as you join us today for Truth For Today. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast as we look at what godly fathers look like
0: you have to ask yourself will any of my posterity know god the first thing you do when you come home is start evangelizing your child and i think what you do as soon as you can is you are a sinner and you need a savior i wouldn't trust anybody else to do that if i wasn't doing it right i always wanted to be there when my kids got saved but God removed me as a hindrance. I got saved always with somebody else. A daughter got saved in a a club, neighborhood club. My daughter, Rebecca, was saved with Leanne Williams on a Tuesday night Bible study. Elizabeth accepted Christ on her patio with her mother. I didn't get credit for any of it. Just save them, Lord. Save them. Now, uh, in that He goes to 1 Thessalonians and he uses a beautiful thing that he describes his love for the Thessalonians and he compares it two ways. I was as gentle with you as a nursing mother, chapter 2, and I engaged with you like a caring father. And the caring father was, I exhorted you and I encouraged you. Now, that's interesting. When I ask people, how much encouragement did your father give you in the home? Or did he keep calling you a dummy and that you'd never mount anything? Or did he keep kind of pushing you off? The home is to be the great coaching center. That you can face life, you can make it, and we're here to coach you. We're here to help underwrite you every way we can. And so, you see in the Thessalonians, we were among you. We were affectionate towards you. And I would say a godly father ought to reflect the love of God the Father towards his offspring. I mean, uh, I don't know where this concept... uh, I know when we look at family pictures, when you go back to um, all the early 1900s, uh, 1800s, uh, While wow, those people look bleak. You look at them, hard times, uh, no showers, eking uh, out a living on barren farms sometimes, uh, living in shanty houses almost, no insulation, cold winters. I mean, it was survival survival. And then you start moving up, you know, about 60s, they start looking better. Start looking better. Times are getting a little bit easier, a little bit easier. But out of that came an austerity, it seemed to me like, among men especially, that it was tough. You got to be tough. You got to keep a stiff uh, upper lip. Boy, don't cave in. You can make it. Don't show emotion. And it's all a part of that male identity. In a way, there's something a little bit better than that, than today, for us not to know what you are, male or female. Unisex, lose identity. But shouldn't one of the identities of a man be in the tender way he treats his children over anyone else? And Paul uses this, and I borrow from it in First Thessalonians. won't run there with you. But you know how the child is taught. Are they being taught with a dad that says, You are an accident. I can't wait till you leave. Uh, you're a pain in the neck. Uh, they, the child knows if they're welcome. They know if they're welcome. And dad, shouldn't you put out the welcome saying? Should or, or is it non-masculine to be affectionate? Who, who's been lying to you lately? Tough, you know. If my boy gets hurt, too bad. Toughen up. Get over it. Well, uh, I don't think it's the biblical picture. Now we're going to go to uh, Ephesians 6. And ask ourselves. If I raise a child in the discipline of the Lord and in his admonition, what does that mean? What is the discipline? I mean, when you say it, it sounds bad, doesn't it? I don't want to be disciplined. Uh, because I think we start thinking of corporal punishment, uh, all of that. The word literally means to train. To train as a child. Raise them up in the training Of the Lord and when you read Proverbs written to my son the training in Proverbs went like this verbal about 95% invest words to shape the heart of your child you've got to talk to them you've got to talk when they say that the average father spends no more than 10 minutes a day talking to his child, is there any wonder, is there any wonder that they grow up not having any of the dad's values? They don't even know their dad. I'm to be seen, not heard. I don't know about your family, but uh, me being the youngest of seven, Uh, My sister's 14 years older than me. Paul's 10 years older. Had brothers up there older than Paul. Uh, I loved to be with him, grandparents, to hear family stories. No TV now. We're just asking, how did you make it over? How did you get out of the hills of Oklahoma? How did you survive the Depression? Uh, What were you doing in World War II? Uh, what were you doing in Eldorado, Kansas when you were burying these kids? What were you doing? How did you, Okies, as it were, make it to California and ever survive? I wanted to hear it. We're telling Paul, record every story you remember, because he's with my grandmother a lot. You, does your kids know anything about your family history? Do they know when you got saved? Have you ever shared that with them? Or is it a well-kept secret? Oh, you're you running that house? Uh, you're not able to turn off anything so you can pass on your affection and this training. Let me train you. Oh, I'll tell you something. It sounds it's with you, you would say, "Eh, this is old fogey stuff, too bad. I think when I took my brother to Oklahoma when I was going to uh, Dallas Seminary, I said, let's go up and see Auntie. He hadn't been to the home place since he's a little boy. I said, let's go up there. And when you go there, my Aunt Mildred uh, was probably in her late 60s or 70s at the time. And uh, a little holiness woman, pastor in the church there, and uh, just wonderful gal. And When you go to the old home place, they'd show you the cellar my grandfather had built for all those tornadoes. And show you this and that. And the girls, I heard it ever since I was a little kid. They always take you to the place at the creek where my grandmother, who had 10 children, would pray every morning. And used to pray, save my grandchildren to the fourth generation. Save my grandchildren. Save my grandchildren. Back here in those hills. Ten children, that's a pretty good quiver full of kids. Cold winters, a drunken husband at times, a man who spent a year in McAllister prison for trying to kill a man. That was her husband. She had to stay home and raise the kids. You got any family stories you're telling your kids? Who's set the curriculum in your home? Men, why don't you stand up? Let's get some backbone and say, I'm not letting this pagan anti-God culture determine what my kids are taught. I'm going to be the main teacher. I'm the teacher in this home. And that's what God wants you to do. Teach them in the discipline or the training of the Lord. Now, You say, well, what would the Lord have you teach a child? Have any of you ever read Proverbs? There's 31 chapters. That means if you read a chapter for every day of the month, you'll read Proverbs 12 times this year. On the 12th day, you read the 12th chapter. And listen to the things he said you ought to be teaching them. My son, listen to the instructions of your father. Fear the Lord, for it's the beginning of all understanding... Until you get your heart engaged with God, you'll live like a fool. Fear God, get vertical. Majoring in geometry will not give you the wisdom for life because you can have a triple PhD and be on your fifth wife. You need some wisdom on how to make it through life. Teach, teach them. He goes on in chapter 1. A big, big chapter on watch out for peer pressure. Young people, don't take the dare. Don't smoke the drugs. Don't take the dare. Don't let your peers ruin your life. That's what he warns. For calamity will come. Chapter two, seek wisdom. Chapter three, trust the Lord with all your heart. Chapter 4, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Chapter 5, sex is for marriage. Don't go drink muddy water when you can have pure water at home. That's what he says. Chapter 5. Chapter 6, he says there's seven things God hates and one of them is to take another man's wife and sleep with her. You will take coal, you will burn it in your bosom, and you'll have a permanent scar for life. Do not transgress. Chapter seven, young men, hear me. There are professional women that have been trained to kill men. They're called harlots. Here are her tricks. Don't fall into the trap or you will be led like an ox to the slaughter. I'm teaching you, young man. This is your daddy teaching you. Not just the girls. The morals have got to be inbreded in the men. They don't get to just play around and we get all hard on the girls. Hey, boy, God says you're playing with fire when you step over that boundary. Who told you that? Your daddy. I don't need to send you to family education where they teach you how to wear a condom and they think that's the moral boundaries you need. No, I want to teach you what God did with man and woman, his design for godly sexuality. And we're we're not prudies. We raise children. We're not afraid of sex. How do you think you got 10 of them? We're not afraid of sex. We're afraid of how it's used to market everything. What do we teach them? Well, you want to teach them and train them in the Lord. Now, what if this is going on at the home? The old Puritans used to take them through catechisms that were written by the Presbyterians. Spurgeon wrote his own for his Baptist congregation. Uh, What's the curriculum being taught in your home? Is there any curriculum? Have you found anything? Even go through Proverbs. Maybe one or two Proverbs a day is all that little child can take. Uh, Talk it on the way. Train them in the discipline. And then he says admonition. And the word admonition there is the word to warn. To rebuke. To warn. It's a negative message. Don't do that. That'll hurt you. And and look, when you read Proverbs, don't run with a fool. You'll get hurt. Uh, Don't uh, misuse money. Don't drink. Don't become a drunk. That'll hurt you. Uh, Don't separate intimate friends. Uh, On and on. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And would to God, Solomon would have followed some of it. Instead, he said... I got a lust for women and alliances and power, and it brought his ruin, turned him into an idolater. Uh, So I would just challenge you, uh, as a dad, we need your help. Uh, It's your children at stake. Uh, I think our youth department is doing the best they know how. Uh, They're reaching out, they're... uh, uh, planning, the doing everything. We're just saying, what are you doing in the home? Do you ever pray with your kids? Do you ever go in their bedroom at night and read a verse or talk about anything that's spiritual? Uh, you know, some of the fondest memories since I've had an empty nest for many years, some of the fondest memories are all the conversations with my daughters and How many night sessions ended on our bed talking, talking, talking. Guess what? It wasn't time wasted. It was time shaping hearts and passing on values. You've got to make time. There's two uh, tensions in life. Urgency, important. Which things are you going to do? You know what? Uh. Your prayer life doesn't seem urgent until you're full of anxiety or in a crisis. Your marriage doesn't seem to be urgent. If you don't hear any squeaking, everything seems to be well. And so we can neglect the important and always doing the urgent. And, and uh, what's that? We've got to pick up the clothes at the cleaners right now. Got to get the oil changed. We've got to go to the bank. It's urgent. It's urgent. It's urgent. All of this stuff. And we keep saying this is important, but it can wait. It can wait. Uh, famous song, and the words are still haunting. I read them to you. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he's talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad... I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like him. And the cat's in the cradle. And the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, dad? I don't know when. But we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. You know, we'll have a good time then. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My son was just like me. It's uh, heartbreaking to see adult people who are not good to their parents. And they're not around them. They're no help. They have no time for aging parents. Because the aging parents had no time for them. And this generation is falling a piece, to pieces. And guess what? All the kids in it didn't make it fall to pieces. It's what they've seen all the adults doing. No time for God. It's just pursuing their own pursuits. God not mention harshness, non-affection. Uh, fathers and mothers, that if they went to church... Didn't really have a heart for God. It was just a duty. I pray that God will use you to rescue your children and your grandchildren while you still have breath, still have influence. And we all know that only God can save. But I pray he'll make you a partner, wanted, a godly father, the endangered species. May God raise up men in this church that will not be passive, will not be just token attenders, but get engaged in the battle for the soul, the mind, and the destiny of their own children. If you won't, I will not be surprised at what happens. It will take a miracle for God to do something through the church if you don't help us in the home. We need to be partners. We need to be partners. Our Father, we are grateful to you for your love, for your mercy, for your kindness in saving any of us. I thank you for every godly influence from a young age. But so many of our young people have none of that. I see many of them lacking it, even with so-called Christian parents that seem to be asleep at the wheel. Everything squeezes out God, His Word, and a lifestyle where I bleed. I bleed scriptures. I talk to them. I'm shaping them. I'm trying to protect them. I'm warning them. I'm instructing them. I'm loving them while I can. All too soon, they will leave this home. And then they'll be on their own. Oh, Father, raise up a generation of godly fathers in this church. Bless the men that are away at the men's retreat. May their hearts be blessed and stirred as they are challenged to be godly men in an ungodly world. We pray, Father, guide us, guide us. Give us family revival. Work in our homes before it's eternally too late. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And this is Truth For Today with
1: Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spending God's Word to encourage you, to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station. We would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time together today, if this broadcast and this ministry encourages you in your walk with Christ, and you happen to be looking for a church that does just that, we would invite you to contact valleybible.org. Pastor Phil is Pastor Emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, and while he is no longer in the pulpit, we are still very much a part of this church body. And we would invite you to come and join us for worship. For more information, again, valleybible.org or call 855-833-9864. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard.